Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 117 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. That cry from the soul was probably because of you know, like the things that I can identify with personally about my own security as a father, as a parent, you know, my hopes and aspirations that you're not making all the mistakes that you think you might be, but giving yourself a break for it at the same time. And the me, the mere thought of those circumstances being real for my life, which they are not. What can I say? It breaks my heart. Brendan Fraser felt a real connection to his character in the film The Whale, and audiences responded, as did Oscar voters, giving the beloved actor a nomination at this year's Academy Awards. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we're talking to the Oscar-nominated Brennan Fraser about The Whale, as well as his career renaissance, and what's coming next. Also on this episode, another Oscar-nominated icon, Tar star Kate Blanchett, who's nominated for Best Actress. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we recap the SAG Award winners and set the stage as final Oscar voting gets underway. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. Welcome to March. You know what happens in March? Emmy season starts. So let's talk <laughs> Emmys, everyone. I'm Michael Schneider, TV editor of Variety, and we're just going to hop right over the Oscars and go straight to Emmys because <laughs> events are happening. It's it's all looking alive, people. But but seriously, I am here with the one and only Jazz Tank, eh? Hello. And uh, Janelle <laughs> Riley, who uh, it, it's in her writer. She won't sit in the same room with us anymore, unfortunately. You do not want me anywhere near you right now. Trust me. Uh, we always want you near us, Janelle. <laughs> no, no, heart. not with this thing. <laughs> and Clayton Davis. That's me. So, gang, it is March. We're getting more closer. Days. 12 more so days. Close. From the time of recording, 12 more days. Yeah. So <laughs> even less by the time people are hearing yes. this. I mean, it is home stretch time. But um, Oh, it's a stretch. <laughs> but before we get to Oscars, let's talk about the weekend that was. So PGA, SAG. Uh, let's start with PGA. <laughs> And yeah. we're going to make it shorter than the actual ceremony was. Eight hours, right? Oh it was an eight-hour show. Oh, my goodness. I, Everyone at the SAG Awards was complaining about the VGA length. I was offended. You are not respectful of my time. <laughs> How long was it? Uh, four hours. 
That's that's oh. unacceptable for like ten awards. That and is... you are producers. You know how to right. do this. Right, producers should know better. You know how to do. But this. that's all. That's because like a lot of the award shows right now, like they have this reception, then they have dinner, and then they have the actual awards. Well, like, the, well no. Was... Then they also had honorees. Like everyone, they got a bunch of honorees. Tom Cruise was honored uh, there. His it was presented by Sherry Lansing, who spoke for about ten minutes. His video package was thirteen minutes and twenty five seconds oh. of all his stuff, and then he spoke for like another fifteen minutes. It it was like a whole forty five minute like thing. It was just not that's, fun. That's offensive. <laughs> yeah. But uh, some does the, that four some hours include the cocktail reception? Or are you taking just four hours of? I show? mean, dinner started at seven, at seven, so it was over by eleven. So it, it, the show started at seven thirty. So it's wow. like a three and a half hour ceremony. But the cocktail reception would start at five thirty. So yeah. Wow. Do we know if they at least fed the reporters in the? the I don't press think room? there were reporters <laughs> in the press room. Actually, no. I don't think there were. If there were, I definitely never even walked over there. Because if you're not there, Mike, I'm not walking over there. <laughs> you're not, you, yeah. you only serve wine yeah, to I me. Serve wine I, to I appreciate that. You should have seen Mike's face when he asked that question. I mean. <laughs> still, <laughs> still have not heard from the DJ about that. They're my, not, my, my public, not my, my public shaming. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> it is not apparently. Uh, but yeah, so PGA. Um, I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, I saw Sasha Baron Cohen's great uh, lead-up speech. Uh, it wasn't winner, great though. when it was in hour three forty-five. It would have been great <laughs> at two. 45 or 145. So it would have would have played better a couple hours earlier. Yeah, it would have played better earlier in the, in the I day. Thought, I thought it was very funny. He uh, gave shout-outs to certain producers in the audience and sort of auditioned for their next movies, yeah. including Bond. Yeah, which uh, he wouldn't have made a bad Bond if yeah. uh, he was nope. a little younger. Uh, but yeah, Everything Everywhere, uh, Triumphs. That was uh, Top Gun's last stand, essentially, um, to plead its case. But, I mean... Everything everywhere. We're just living it. DGA, PGA, get to in a second SAG. Yeah. It's destined to yeah. win Writers Guild this weekend. And then when it does that, it wins all majors. First film since Argo. Wow. Argo won Best Picture. Wow. I mean, which actually makes me nervous. <laughs> oh, why? Just because like, I don't know because it just feels like you know ripe for an upset. Yeah, like everything's yeah. going yeah. too perfectly. I mean, <laughs> we should add this caveat um, that Argo also won BAFTA and Globe, which everything everywhere does not have. But the major guild, no one's ever lost best. Pi- no film has ever lost best picture with having the four major guilds. Ever. Ever. Wow. I have goosebumps. If you have all four. Remember, we're doing a, a shorter era because SAG started in '94. So, but yeah, still, it's 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 it's, it's big. Wow! Did you just wow. jinx everything ever well, all at once? Well, I will Clayton. say the one thing I've been talking about with people is I think one of the things that has helped it most along here is that it's front runner with a small F. Even right now, it's it's not Titanic undes- undeniable. Like we are just going through the motions, even though it may feel like that mm-hmm. it's still like well there's few years where you have a film that feel is titanic well that is la la land was a great example of that though like la la land we were like oh okay we're just going through these motions it tied yeah. the record it's going to happen and then 
Yeah. It happened. Yeah. Well, it, it oh, was Best Picture for about two minutes. Yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> so, let's not ever forget that. Yeah. We're not, we're not wrong. Technically. And we should note that um, at the WGA, Everything Everywhere All at Once does not have to compete against Banshee's Vinish Heron. Yeah, because yeah. it was ineligible. ineligible. Yep. But should we worry, to your point, Clayton, and I don't want to put this out there, but all quiet on the Western Front, like, should we consider that? Consider it because we didn't have it at PGA, right? I mean, the thing of what's interesting or about all or anywhere, yeah. it's only at, of the four major guilds, it's not at any of them. And BAFTA, it won BAFTA, but it hasn't, it's not anywhere on the guild circuit. So, and listen, we talk about Coda breaking records and breaking stats and stuff like that. All Quiet would shatter stats. Like, it, ha- mm-hmm. it literally only has BAFTA. And it's also not nominated for director or or editing. Like, there's just so... It has no acting nominations. We're talking about, like, guys, this is, like, big... <laughs> this is big stuff. Um, I think, honestly, it, it, Top Gun or Banshee is probably your number two, but... I think because we all can't agree on what number two is, it doesn't matter. Hmm. It's like Nomadland year. Like everyone was trying to look for an alternative to Nomadland. If you can't agree on what number two is, then there is no number two. Wow. Well, drop the mic. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, really. Uh, drop the mic. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> – all right. So we're talking about that on the film side. So so talk – let's – I joke about like – TV, but let's face it, TV does rule. So, you know, on the uh, TV side of PGA, uh, you know, again, the bear one for comedy. um, And I was a little surprised by that. As as we know, Jeremy Allen White will get to SAG again, but, you know, he won for actor uh, at SAG as well. So, I mean, it is setting up a situation in comedy where it really does come down to bear versus Abbott Mm -hmm. elementary. And I think that's a narrative that uh, is – For Emmys you're talking about? For Emmys, yeah. And that's a narrative that's going to continue. As the Ted Lasso trailer drops today. (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) the interesting – yeah, third third wheel. I mean it's it's because we haven't seen the the new season of Ted Lasso yet. That could change the game Uh... again. Ah, Uh, Janelle's got – she's got the the hookup. I mean listen, also – we're going to have two big farewell seasons this year in the race, Succession and Ted Lasso on both sides, former winners. That's, it's going to be Well, we don't bad. know. We don't know if Ted Lasso's We don't know. I'm yet. not convinced this is Ted Lasso's last season. <sighs> I'm mean, not convinced. Thanks, I know Brett they keep Goldstein. saying, like, <laughs> it hasn't been formally announced, has it, Michael? You, you No, it, it hasn't been. And, and honestly, I think yeah. there there is a world where Ted Lasso continues as a show, maybe even without Sudeikis. Uh, you know, mm. maybe the, the franchise continues somehow. Um, I don't know. I it, love it, Ted Lasso without Ted Lasso. <laughs> exactly. yeah, that's going to be great. It's like hey, that final season. Remember, remember Laverne and Shirley, the final season where it was just Laverne? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they still called it Laverne and Shirley. Listen, we called this Frasier. It's like Frasier time. You know, we get a nice little spinoff out of it. Yeah. So so we'll see. But um, yeah, so, so there's that on the comedy side. And then on the drama side, now that White Lotus is officially a drama mm-hmm. in Emmyland. <laughs> Uh, as White Lotus uh, dominates, uh, you know, it, it won PGA, and and that you know that's going to be an interesting race too. Um, yeah, so that, can I just say a little sad that Severance ends its season one run with no Me big too. wins. Like yeah. it's a, as like, you know, I went all in on Severance. I know you I did. Both Adam Scott and the cast for SAG, and I, I thought one of those might come through. And then we have a dropout in limited ending its run uh, with. Uh, on the guild circuit and then sag amanda seyfried <laughs> we'll get to that in, a, in another moment tv movie yeah. weird 
Is Weird going to win an Emmy? I hope so. so. Weird. It's so good. Uh, It is so good. I think it's, I I love that. This is why I think TV movie, like, can be fun if they keep doing stuff like this. I just think Fire Island versus Weird is just (laughs) such a good, like, no matter who wins, we all win. That is a good top two. Yeah, weird. Weird was great, and and I think that would continue the the trend of you know Chippendale winning last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. I, I think that that brings some fun to that category. As long so. as Prey gets into, I'm a big fan of that. And don't we then get Weird Al Yankovic closer to an EGOT, the EGOT that he deserves? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because he he'll has... need an Oscar, right? Yeah, he would still need an Oscar. And oh, is pro- that and a Tony? All? But that, that's all he needs. We, we need to we need to work he on a Tony and Oscar, right? Yeah. Does he have a Tony? I thought he, I no, thought he, I thought he did have a Tony. I don't know where this is bad. No. Has there been a weird think... weird held like uh, Broadway show? I know, pe- I don't, people don't secretly know write stuff all the time, and I, this I, is true. I I forget and I miss it. This is true. Uh, j- uh, just other two notations on PGA side that we forgot to say on the film. Pinocchio can, finishes its sweep. That's yeah. locked and loaded for Oscar. Documentary also won an Annie. Also won yep. a bunch of Annie's. <laughs> and then uh, Navalny uh, won documentary. That's that's my pick for Oscar. Now, it, BAFTA and PGA, I'm feeling good. I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm switching from Fire of Love. Yeah. I think it's one of those two. I mean, Navalny just feels so timely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just given the headlines. Yeah. And, and it's not a – weird to say, it's not a huge bummer movie. It's, it, plays out like a, it plays out like an entertaining thriller. Which I think yeah. helps a lot. What mm. is it about for people who haven't seen it? Uh, Navalny, the man who was uh, "quote unquote" allegedly poisoned. I don't know if we have to be all legal know. about this. <laughs> I don't know how we write. Uh, you you think this. Putin's going to sue uh, us? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be just in, just in case. <laughs> allegedly, he was poisoned Turns by Clayton, Vladimir Putin. Clayton is Putin's favorite <laughs> Oscar <laughs> prognosticator. Yep. So. He oh, trusts Clayton. Yeah, he, he loves that stand with yeah. Ukraine stuff I got going on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it, it, it just – it's really, really well done. And then the speech that the filmmakers made uh, dedicating it to him because right now he's in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And we – it's – this world sucks, man. That's all mm-hmm. that. But Navalny will be hopefully a give opportunity to let the world know what's yeah. up. Yeah. And then we move to SAG. <sighs> the, can, before we even get into winners – my favorite award ceremony, probably the last five years. Wow. Yeah, it was wow. really great. Well, partly because really it's great. it's short; it's two I hours. Mean, you can't be two hours, man. Yeah, and what I do love that they kept it to, to that, even though it was streaming on YouTube.com slash Netflix, <laughs> which means they could have kept it going on for as long as they wanted, yeah. um, and no ads. It was tight, really tight. Well, you guys saw at home. Uh, Janelle and I were in the room. Uh, Humble when, brag. When, when they when they were transitioning, we just had a clock timer on our screens. Yeah. You guys had actual montages yeah. and stuff at home. I wish they played the montages. For I would have loved the montages. I know. Yeah, just and put also the clock when over they it. put those clock timers yeah. up, everybody got up and had like two and a half minutes to go talk to somebody. Or go to the bathroom. So then every or time yeah. they came back from the montage, it was so loud in the room, and, it, and you know the presenters had to be like, "Settle down, everyone. Settle down." Yeah, I love how they threw Fran Drescher in the middle of a big like break, and like everyone was just still like standing. And the in memoriam too yeah. came after like a, a cutaway, so mm-hmm. it was like Don Cheadle had to come out and be very serious and try to present the well, in memoriam. Well, the reason the Don Cheadle thing happened was because White Lotus had thirty tables, and <laughs> there was like a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And a big cast. And then they went up went up and accepted. I think he had to wait for all of them to get off. And that took like a yeah. good few minutes. Yeah, you're right. Because it took the, – the, it would have – it like looked like it was going to commercial break. 
but it was yeah. just getting the White Lotus cast moving. It's like, come on, guys, all of you. Um, but yeah, SAG, great, great show. Uh, film side, everything everywhere. The biggest uh, winner in SAG history, Banshees of Inisherin. The biggest quote unquote loser in SAG history. Oof, wow. Mm. By the way, I predicted a, a everything everywhere all at once sweep in four of the five categories, but didn't see. The one that uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis female actor in a sporting role. Co- yeah, I had I was mm-hmm. gone with Stephanie Shu. <laughs> I have been hinting at this Jamie Lee Curtis thing for a while, thinking like I'm like she's guys like it's 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 brewing, it's it's bubbling, I, and people were saying that Carrie Condon's the upset, you know, kind of, and yeah, yes and no, but. As soon as I walked in, I wanted so bad to change my prediction and just write a quick note. And be like, guys, Jimmy Lee, I knew it. Especially when it started with her, like, I'm an actor. That room yep. erupted. Like, yep. it was volcanic. In the, vol- volcanic? Volcanic? Volcanic. <laughs> yeah. In there. Everyone felt it. They love her. Uh, She's yeah. making it okay to be a Nepo baby. I, yes. I swear. And I love to, that she says that. And listen, didn't I? And I said this last week. I said, guys, if it's not going to be Angela Bassett, they need to tell us now because we can have two weeks to, like, you know, get a, used adjust, to that idea. Yeah. And I think in three seconds, Jamie Lee Curtis, and she gave a great speech overall, but three she seconds did. of her speech made it okay when she said, I get it, Nepo baby, but I'm 64 years old. And then we were mm-hmm. like, damn. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. This is also, I should have been nominated for Freaky Friday and True Lies. So this that, is way overdue. Uh, yeah. I don't like the trading places erasure, but sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Fishbowl Wanda. Oh, for, for She right. said many. But you're right. It is sort of a career. A career win, which is, but and I'll and I'll say this. We can talk about this now. I think. I think people have been reluctant on saying this. Is that. That's why Angela Bassett was also getting the Oscar buzz for it. It was a career recognition. Like, she's great in the movie. So I'm not saying it's a nothing role, but we were giving it to Angela Bassett because she's Angela Bassett. And I think yeah. now they're giving it to Jamie Lee Curtis for that same reason. The difference between the two is that Jamie Lee Curtis, I think she's fine in the movie. She's the less of the, she's the lesser of the four. If you rank the four, I don't hear a lot of people say that she's their favorite part. And Angela is the best part of a movie that people are like, mm, I'm not that big on the movie. So they kind of evened each other out. Yeah. Interesting. Only two movies, by the way, in Oscar history have won three acting Oscars. Network and A Streetcar Named Desire both lost Best Picture. That That is astounding to me because I, I, I just had some mental block up until this week thinking that Network won Best Picture. Yeah. I thought, yeah. That's the Rocky, like, well, that's a Rocky no, it year. It actually didn't. It lost to Rocky. Uh, yeah. Rocky year. Crazy. That was a big year. The big, the best year of Oscars, arguably. 39 and 76. Those are the big ones. I think it's funny what you said about being in the room. Like, And I, so many people don't always get to experience that vibe of like when you know, like when you said you knew that Jamie was going to win. Yeah, It's like last night at the Costume Designer Guilds when they were reading out like best science fiction Con, um, what's Fan- it? fantasy fantasy, fantasy yeah. costume and they said Shirley Carada for everything everywhere and that room erupted and I was like mm. she's gonna win she's gonna beat Ruth Carter Ooh. she's gonna beat Deborah Scott yeah. and uh, then it's it's, it's it, not it's it's a mat it's now we're not asking is everything everywhere gonna win best picture we're asking how many Oscars how many? is gonna win mm. you know it could it be the biggest winner since Hurt Locker Hurt, in the expanded era and win six like sure I think it could even pull seven and eight maybe be kind of bananas crazy so with the headline do you so, go with 
every Oscar everywhere all at once, or do you go with everything everywhere all at Oscar? Ooh, I like that one. Right? Ooh. Yeah. Mm. We have to cut that out because I can't have anyone take that like, okay. for that night. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really good. Every Oscar everywhere all at once. Uh-huh. Well, that's why I, I mean, just that's said. A, that's, only, that's only if it sweeps. <laughs> I'm no. sick. Cut yeah. me some slack. <laughs> yeah. That's only if it wins 10 out of 11, you can do that. But yeah. I like everything everywhere all at Oscar. Oscar. Um, yeah, so wow. Jamie Lee Curtis – now looking at that race now and Oscar voting opens Thursday. It's a three-way race between Kerry Condon, Banshees of Inishera and Jamie Lee Curtis and Angela Bassett. I, is it three-way? I'm not up on Stephanie Shue. Listen. I'm not. They they love in that category, especially quote unquote newcomers. I would I would appreciate you not to get my hopes up uh, for in this very vulnerable time in my life where <laughs> I am. I'm, I, it's going to be crazy. So, BAFTA and SAG are not aligned at all in the acting categories. First time, I think, since the 80s, maybe that's happened. That they, that they, oh, not 80s. Um, no, ever. BAFTA and SAG, never in history has they, have they chosen different winners completely. So, uh, online, the popular thing right now is to say split the difference, take two BAFTAs and two SAGs, and that's what you predict. So, I think I'm going Michelle Yeoh, Kiyu Kwan. Mm-hmm. And then Austin Butler and Kerry Condon. That feels like the wow. safest thing to do. Wow. But I still, but I'm, so, but I think I want to take Jamie. I might just end up taking Jamie in the end anyway. Yeah. Um, that feels like that. Take her. You'll regret it if you don't. You I know. <laughs> I know. But the one thing, Brendan, a lot of people were like, oh, it's wrapped up for Brendan. I think, and remember, you always have to break this into voting blocks. Brendan has the actor's vote. But the actors isn't – even though the actors are the largest branch of the Academy, they're about 13% of the Academy, the artisans are the largest collective. They're 63% of the Academy. Right. Wales only nominated in makeup. It's not nominated for Best Picture. Um, that's why I think Austin Butler has the edge because they're going to watch his movie. I think he's going to get the European vote and then that pushes him over. And we haven't had a Best Actor winner from a non-best picture nominee since Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart, 2009. Because wow. I think, and you know, the important thing is that Austin Butler loves pit bulls. <laughs> yeah, <That's> really. <laughs> I, you should I, check out my story on him this week. I can't believe you didn't put a pit bull on the cover with him. Like, I could have brought Wilbur in. Yeah, they would have. They, they would have gotten along great. Yeah, I could, that... And I have an Elvis jumpsuit. It all could have worked out. I could have put that on Wilbur. And yeah. I, I think I don't know because Elvis will probably get makeup right if we go the BAFTA way and it did win at and costumes. Yeah, it's probably Catherine Martin is loved, so she'll probably get costumes. And then Austin. Yeah, it's listen. It can win three. That movie could also win five because it also could win production. It could also win sound. Like the the movie is just like again, populist choice. It, it it could just do really well. But now we have to get to the most important part, the Michelle Yeoh of this. Told y'all. I, I, I predicted it and I was and I just wanted to make sure I was there for it, but I wasn't confident until I heard Jamie Lee Curtis and I was like, oh wait, maybe this is yes, gonna happen. Then we all knew. Then I was like, okay, because that would really suck if it wasn't. <laughs> and I think that's also what makes Jamie's win okay. If she wins and Michelle wins. I think the world is fine. I think they're, the, world, they're, they're, the world will accept it. They almost feel like a package deal at that, this point. That's... Michael, <laughs> did you read my column? That's exactly what I said. I said I don't read your columns. Uh, that's true. 
<laughs> but all, but all this year, I think it was honestly, it was, I said to myself, Oh my God, I did it wrong. Cause I thought Michelle was tied to the film winning best picture in order for her to win. She's tied to Jamie. Well, cause they, they've made it that way. The, the, the BFF thing that yep. they've been pushing. Because by the way, I think inarguably the reason why the movie's doing as well as it is, is because of Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis has promoted this movie in a way that I've never seen anyone be out front on the front line for a movie maybe in the last decade. She is the biggest champion for the movie. And every time she's out there, what's, what was she on this podcast? What went viral? Her saying, Michelle, yo, Michelle, yeah, yo. Yeah, you say, like, I say yeah. Michelle, no, you, you say, say yo. yo. It, it was like that. That's the connection. By the way, and then add in at the very end the the the, the secret, uh, you know, sort of like the the bringing it home is the James Hall. James Hall. Yeah. Can I oh. can I just say when Michelle Yeoh gave her speech, I said to myself, I was like, damn, I wish her speech was better. That like she would have locked it up. And then James Hong said, Nah, I got this. I'll yeah, take it from yeah, here. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, thank you, James Hong. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh, you're winning an Oscar and yeah. everything. 92-year-old? 94. 94. 94-year-old James just Hong. And like yeah. bringing down the house. A year yeah. younger than Oscar itself. By the way, if you want to say something really funny, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 92. That's yeah. why I was trying to remember yeah. his age. I did a virtual Q&A with the cast of Everything Everywhere All at Once, and James Hong just started asking them questions. <laughs> and it's available on YouTube under the SAG After a Foundation channel. And he's just – like he was just genuinely curious. And he's eating dumplings the whole time because it's Super Bowl Sunday and he's hungry. Yeah. And he's just that's a best. That's a baller Love move. That. Yeah. that is a yeah. baller move. But yeah, I, I think I think I think because of that, Michelle might do it. Might of course, we ne- have never wavered since that movie premiered. I mean, you, I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to acknowledge that there is a pathway for her to lose because she's of lost course, everything yeah, up until SAG. I mean, she won Globe, but so did Kate, and then Kate beat her at BAFTA and uh the globes i mean bafta and critics choice yeah. and critics choice love that movie there was no reason for critics choice not to do michelle and they still win but Kate. critics choice aren't oscar voters i mean yes that's no, true. neither ba- globes they just but, aren't but, ba- yeah. but bafta, 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 BAFTA was are. the one concern yeah. but i always knew michelle would at least take sag because oh my god how obviously as we saw yeah. actors love that movie yeah no, I mean, it does feel like timing is everything. And, and as voting oh, yeah. opens, there is that momentum. And SAG is last. And I think someone mentioned something to me. They were like, maybe we're always like, oh, SAG is last, you know, BAFTA is last. I think maybe it's just whoever's last really makes the biggest impact on what happens. Because last year, you know, it was SAG right after Ukraine, but then BAFTA went last last year. And we knew Coda was winning Best Picture because it won Adapted Screenplay. And then I go back to the year of Michael Clayton, Tilda Swinton won BAFTA. That's the only thing she won. And then she won mm-hmm. Oscar. Yeah. So, and Marion Cotillard also won BAFTA and then won Oscar. So maybe that, maybe it's just whoever's last that is the biggest kick that you get. The last of us. Fresh in the mind. The last of us. Michael Clayton. <laughs> Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton. I know. I know. It's crazy to me. I don't know. I do think of us as a young Clooney. <laughs> Janelle, we need a movie. Janelle Jazz or Jazz Janelle. Yeah. By the way, how do you say Jazz your Janelle? first name? Galientong. No, no. Oh, oh. How, do you, how do you say your first name? Clayton. I say Clayton, but I know that there are people who really <laughs> pronounce it. Clayton. Clayton. Yeah. Clayton. Yeah. Clayton. I, if I say my name, I say Clayton, but I, you can say Clayton. Clayton. I like to say the T. Do you like to say the T? Yeah, I, I, I give you. I give you respect. I I, 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 I let people whatever makes you feel good. Yeah, 
Oh, now well, walk so me through Davis. Uh, Davis. <laughs> Davis. Uh, I, that's why Viola's my mom, because <laughs> we are related. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Michelle Yeoh, I think she, she – listen, we'll see what happens. We have five days of Oscar voting. I start making all my calls this weekend and be like, what are you voting for? And then that's when you get all the insight. Well, let's talk – TV real quick. Of course. Yeah, I'm bringing it back. Um, because Abbott Elementary. Yeah, and and so, so relieved for yeah. Abbott to win. Uh, you know, since we, uh, you know, didn't see Quinta win and, you know, it was starting to go in a concerning place. Well, because we so, started with Jessica Chastain and Sam Elliott both yeah. upsetting. Yeah, which neither yeah. of which we expected. But in hindsight, realized, of course, the 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 SAG voting body is 160,000 strong. So and and it's a huge middle America vote as well because don't forget SAG AFTRA includes the folks who used to be part of AFTRA. So all the radio DJs across the country Paramount Plus with Showtime, those and, lovers. And, <laughs> and and a lot of folks who, you know, don't pay as much attention to things, so they're going to vote on what they watch, which is a lot of, you know, Yellowstone in 1883. So and who doesn't love Sam Elliott? I mean, yeah. you can't uh, you can't by the argue way, Sam He's fantastic in that. Uh, and, and yeah. By the way, that was his last yeah. run uh, with 1883 because it's not eligible next year, right? No. 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 It was shut out last year at the Emmy, so. Yeah, we're no mo- harm, we, no we foul, moved on really to 1923. To, so. yeah, yeah, no harm, no foul to uh, Evan Peters. So uh, he'll, he can still win it on the Emmy circuit. And then on the, the female actor in a miniseries side, uh, you know, Amanda Seyfried had already won all the awards. So I guess, you know. It's fine that uh, Jessica Loved her dress, by the way, though. jumps in. Um, so, but that still was an interesting choice because I don't know how many people had seen George and Tammy. So, so yeah, boy, so. just yeah, Jessica was out here promoting a lot. She was doing a lot of screenings yeah. and stuff. And I know when she speaks to actors, she really she, speaks to actors. Yeah, I mean, listen, SAG is like the the best thing you can be as an actor's actor, and if you are that, then you are good with the group. And then Gene Gene Smart, you know Gene Smart. So I mean, yeah, Aww. it's not smart to pick to not pick smart, right? You know, you got to just pick her every time. And then male actor in a comedy series. I mean, Jeremy Allen White, he's got the momentum right now. And and when the Only Murders guys cancel each other out, and the Barry guys cancel each other out to some degree, then of course that leaves Jeremy Allen White. I don't know if you noticed oh. this, but, but by the way, I think I think and I'm, I'm doing like a very like overview really quickly in my head i think jeremy allen white and jessica chassine were the only winners under 50 years old from the sag awards it was very veteran like a veteran heavy like line like lineup they were like really paying homage to the vets of the biz yeah well so male uh, actor in a drama series um you know justice for bob odenkirk oh man i can't believe that um, so I was a little surprised by, by Jason Bateman's win, but I guess not but we, but necessarily. We, but He's, we said it here. We were like, yeah, yeah we, it's, we it's, did. It's prob- we, prob- actor's actor. Yeah. What, what do you do? Three, three out of four for Ozark? So. Like, at SAG? Yeah, yeah. So. And, it, and no Emmys, we, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we knew he had the momentum, so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the Saul guys to I, some degree would cancel each other out, I suppose. I got to watch him get his statue engraved. Ah. They had a little engraving station on site at the after party. And he was like one of the last people to come in and he got the engraving done. But yeah. But uh, TV, I mean, and then White, on, and White Lotus Ensemble. 
Yeah, which, you know, it's... So many. So many of them. But that's, you know... So There's many. just so many They were them. tearing up the after party, too. Yeah. They yeah. were a big group, yeah. It's a white lotus world. <laughs> so that that was not so surprising either. But um, so, yeah, so some interesting picks there. So we have uh, Oscar voting ahead. We have ASC mm-hmm. this weekend, Writers Guild, uh, where everything everyone is expected to win. Um, what about Adapted? What are you predicting in Adapted? W- women talking, I think, but uh, watch out for Top Gun, I guess, just to cause some ruckus. Um, Clayton, the name of the movie is Women Are Talking. <laughs> Can I just say, my God. Speaking of, that was uh, what that, a what a what a what a choice. That was a choice. <laughs> what a choice that Do you, Mark, what? I, and you know what? I like Mark Wahlberg as an actor when he does. He's a he very sta- good actor. When he stays he's in his lane, I think he's a very good actor, but to do the women are talking and then considering some history yeah, yeah. Uh, that he's had and I think it was quite a choice to have him. And and do you think the the producers at the SAG Awards, d- d- were they just not thinking? Maybe they just didn't put we're, two and two together. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That uh, that was the one thing was where like, I was scratching. Like, like, and, and, and unfortunately, that was the last present, presenter yeah. of the night. And to like kind of leave on that note. Luckily, it was quickly forgotten as yeah. every, every everything everywhere all at once. And it probably would have dominated, especially uh, if, if, if it wasn't. But I think everything everywhere sweep in the night was like, okay, we can drown that out. But yes, social media was ablaze. Yeah, yeah. And I think rightfully and so, did, because it was a, a real unfortunate choice. And did you notice that the entire room stood for all of James Hong's whole speech? Yes. We ne- no, like one the, ever, the, no one ever sat down. No and he one. talked yeah. forever and was fine. I was like, go ahead, sir. You're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, they were on YouTube.com slash Netflix. So. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Do you want to know who was in the room that you didn't know was probably in the room? Bill Murray. Because I went up the, oh, escal- right I went up the yeah. escalator with him. Well, he was him. he was literally in my eyeline the whole night, so I found myself like kind of watching Bill Murray a lot. <laughs> I, was to, I was trying to uh, like wonder why he was there, but yeah. And oh, he Beck was Bennett there with the, fa- there. the um, Someone told me he was with. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name of of the person, but uh, I, I shouldn't have started this because now I'm just going to spread mis- misinformation. <laughs> but he was there as a guest, and he was at the Fableman's table. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's all we wrote. So our final podcast of this uh, voting period or phase two period because our last one. Jeannie Berlin. Be... He was with Jeannie Berlin. Oh, there Sorry. you go. Oh, she was the. Oh, I would have loved to see her. Um, it's going to be Brendan Fraser, SAG winner, and Kate Blanchett, BAFTA winner. Going out with some heavy hitters. Going out with some heavy heavy hitters. Brendan Fraser, uh, video, so you can watch him. Along with the others, like the Daniels, Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Enjoy it. Enjoy. and uh, But we'll be back here next week again. Yep. For our... Oh, wait. We do have well, final predictions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I totally... Don't... I was thinking that like Clayton. the Oscars were this Sunday. <laughs> like, I swear to God. <laughs> Calm down. Oh, Settle down. you wish. You wish. <laughs> uh, I, just, I said at the top of the episode, it was like 12 more days. Yes. We, Sorry, we still... We still... And, and after that, after the Oscars, we still come back and talk about yeah. it. So you, you aren't getting rid of yeah. us this fast. We're yeah, continuing yeah. forever. We never I'm not end. going anywhere. So <laughs> until next week, bye-bye. Bye, friends.
after the break, Oscar nominee and the whale star, Brendan Fraser. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Brendan Fraser's massive popularity has helped play a role in the revitalization of the 54-year-old actor's career. That includes Fraser's first-ever Oscar nomination for Best Actor via his towering performance in Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. The Whale is a stark, dour examination of regret and addiction, wrapped into the script written by Samuel D. Hunter, who adapted his play of the same name. Distributed by A24, The Whale tells the story of Charlie, an obese gay man who reconnects with his estranged 17-year-old daughter Ellie, who's played by Sadie Sink, after leaving her and her mother for his younger male lover. In addition to Fraser's nod for Best Actor, Hong Chow is nominated for Best Supporting Actress. You don't have to be angry at the whole world. You can just be angry at me. Okay, you know what? You can't throw me away like I'm a piece of garbage and then suddenly just want to be my dad eight years later. You left me for your boyfriend. It's that simple. And if you've been telling yourself anything different, then you're lying to yourself. But you know what? I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad because you taught me something very important. People are assholes. Most people learn that way too late. You, you taught me that when I was eight. Thank you for that. As we wait and see whether Fraser's name will be called from the Dolby Theater stage on March 12th, one point should not be lost. He has always been a gifted actor and a bonafide movie star. Next up, Fraser will star alongside Leonardo DiCaprio, Jesse Plemons, and Lily Gladstone in The Killers of the Flower Moon from Apple Original Films. Directed by Martin Scorsese, the film is set to premiere at this year's Cannes Film Festival. He is also set to star opposite Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage in Brothers from Max Barbacow, the director of Palm Springs. The plot has been kept under wraps, but Fraser reveals exclusively to Variety that it's a heist movie in which he plays a jailer and Peter Dinklage and Josh Brolin play fraternal twins. And even though Warner Brothers yanked Batgirl from release, 
Fraser is not necessarily done with the DCEU. He says he's open to coming back for more projects if asked by DC studio heads James Gunn and Peter Safran. For this week's episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we sat down with Brendan Fraser to discuss the Renaissance and what this past year has meant to him. We also play a little game called Whose Babe Is It Anyway?, where Fraser guesses which of his former co-stars said a particular line. I get to refer to you by your God-given name now, Academy Award nominee, <laughs> Brendan Fraser. How does it feel, man? It finally got here. We, we've arrived at the moment. It was given by the Academy, not by God. That is true. Yeah. Both. We can say both. <laughs> <laughs> the Academy is God. Yeah. I feel happy. I feel humbled. I feel honored. I feel uh, a strong sense of anticipation, mm-hmm. and I feel um, I feel like uh, if this is as good as it gets, I'm good. I've really enjoyed the journey so far. Yeah, well, it's been uh, a great journey to see you be on because you know, listen, you have garnered a lot of love and goodwill, not just industry wise from consumers and regular people, regular Joe Schmo movie lover loves Brendan Fraser. And that's the best people you can have on your side. Um, this ride for the whale, it's been long, obviously started in Venice, but have you been enjoying it? Have you enjoyed the, oh, yeah. the slog of award season? I have. It's yeah. my first. So it's, you know, I feel like the new guy in a lot of ways. Yeah. When you were on the, uh, during Gods and Monsters, yeah. did you do a lot of campaigning then? Um, no, that was for, um, Bill Condon's best adapted screenplay. Yeah. Winner. Yeah. Uh, and Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen's nomination. Um, I, I, I tagged along, I think, at a few press conferences, <laughs> if I remember. Yeah, I tagged along. <laughs> But it was about it was about Ian. Yeah, it was about you too, because you were you were great in that in oh, that movie. Um, <clears throat> I just want to get your uh, you know, unless I know, it is it is an honor to to be on this uh, award circuit. But I'm, Emma Thompson, I remember speaking about uh, award season. She said it like physically made her ill because it was it's such oh, a no. mental thing for so many months. There's got to be sometimes that you just feel like exhausted. You're like I, like. I just want to rest. Do you feel that? Sure. I always yeah. feel like a napper. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, so it's worth I'm like nap. an Olympic napper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you catch me, you catch me warming up for a nap. <laughs> uh, let's, let's get a little bit into the movie. Uh, and you, you know, we've spoken a lot about it, uh, but Darren Aronofsky, yeah. very, very good filmmaker. <laughs> yes. very, 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 very good filmmaker. Um, it's been at this for, for a while. You get this opportunity to take a swing on one of his projects uh, what did you feel? Were you intimidated by the, the yeah, play? I had a little bit of a creative intimidation mm-hmm. going into it, feeling like he and I, in a way, came up in the industry at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, different disciplines, but you know, but I felt, I feel like we're, um, definitely generational peers. And for the work that he did, which I really admired from his onset, I've, when I met him, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, honestly, but was delighted that he was a gentleman. He was committed to being uh, really inclusive in terms of how he needed to get this role of Charlie cast, Mm -hmm. what it would take for him to create the character. He was quite politic in the conversation. I didn't know if I had the job or not. Mm -hmm. 
for kept some you, time. Kept, kept in the edge of your seat waiting? Yes, oh, yeah. with great anticipation. And at the same time, I felt like uh, if I'm not right for it, he knows best. That's the implicit trust that I have in him as a, that I've learned to have certainly for having had worked with him as a filmmaker. Yeah, that's amazing. And this cast, uh, Hong Chow, Academy Award nominee, Hong Chow, I can yes. say that now too, yes, uh, was a guest on this very podcast this year, uh, along with Sadie Sink, um, Ty Simpkins, who is very, very talented young man, and obviously a great uh, script by Samuel Hunter. And you guys, you know, we say this a lot and we hear it a lot, you know, we're, we're family, but you guys we're really family. Like, uh, tell me what the experience has been like with all of them. Uh, clearly we became close. It's a small cast. It's a chamber piece that takes place in Charlie's apartment it's in somewhere North Idaho. Um, it's five characters in search of salvation. Um, as families go, we created that, um, dynamic, for having had three weeks to rehearse this. And it was, you know, it's, that's unusual. A24 was very generous with the time. Thank you for that. Um, it, it's, uh, it was a requirement of Darren's. So they definitely respect his wishes as a filmmaker. Um, and he wanted to approach this in the same way that he had originally seen the whale, which was on stage in 2012 in New York. Um, as if we were a theater company, which he declared on day one of our rehearsal, there was a taped out floor, one-to-one -one scale of the apartment, standby props. We watched one another scene work. It was like, kind of like going back to conservatory training in Seattle when it was a thousand years ago. Um, and so we created that bond, that family in that way at that time, you know, you make all your mistakes and your discoveries and then bring that to the built set. And there's a, a feeling of confidence that I had knowing I, I know my job. I know the scenes. I know the work. I know my, my castmates. Um, and you know, we were all working clearly under challenging conditions. Granted that there was a pandemic. This is before the vaccines. So we were all taking a risk to be there. And I don't mean just the cast, the crew, everyone wanted to be a part of this really had, um, you know, a lot at stake. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can I can imagine that, and and just looking um, at some of the scenes uh, throughout throughout the film, and I think you're extraordinary, by the way, in, in in the film. And I always, when I'm watching a movie, identify the clip, the scene that proves it. The why is Brendan Fraser in contention? And the scene for me that floors me is. I want to know I did one thing right in my life. Like the, it's, I call it like the, it's not that you're crying. It's the cry in the voice. It's like the parental wail. I talk about that sometimes like that desperation to be worthy enough to be a parent. There's a lot of things uh, wrapped into that. Can you talk about getting in mode for that scene with the amazing Samantha Morton, uh, who's on the other end of that exchange? Sam Morton is there's something translucent about her yeah. as an actress <laughs> and there's something really authentic about her too. Like if it is, if she's not feeling it, it's not going to happen, but she's a wellspring of emotion and ideas and just 
I mean, I could take our time to just talk about how great Sam Wharton is, and it wouldn't be telling you anything new. But <laughs> she's the queen of uh, one scene wonders this year, by the way. How she had that, that, and she said, and like, she, said? she only needs one scene to just floor you. That's it. That's, <laughs> you know, that's her thing. One and done. <laughs> I, I'm good with that. <laughs> go ahead, please. I was, um, well, the scene is that he is begging the cooperation of his former wife in. Uh, a half-baked plea to set his daughter up financially, be taken care of, because he knows that his time is so limited, <laughs> days or hours at that point, and the strained relations that he has with her um, from their divorce and her feelings of abandonment all come to the surface when they confront one another in this scene, um, not having seen one another for eight years. Um, and his plan isn't working out. He is desperate to say the least. Um, and that cry from the soul was probably because of, you know, I, the things that I can identify with personally about my own, um, security as a father as a parent, you know, my hopes and aspirations that you're not making all the mistakes that you think you might be, but giving yourself a break for it at the same time. And the me, the mere thought of those circumstances being real for my life, which they are not. What can I say? It breaks my heart. And, you know, you just, you want to know as a parent sometimes, am I doing this right? And... The answer is, unless you, the answer comes from someone else. Yes, you are is the answer. And, 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 uh, Charlie's, um, well, like I say, he's, he's quite desperate. She doesn't I have to go. have anyone else. I need to know that I have done one thing right with my life. To in, speak frankly and just, and I want to get your take on this because I, feel and it could be wrong your feelings on the movie uh from a from anyone who's seen it i think uh varies from how you see charlie and how you see the movie uh if you see it as i see it which i think is an addiction story then i think it's accessible to you and then you're able to get past a lot of the you know the criticisms that have been out there about the movie about uh charlie being overweight but i think if you can't see that part that may be where you can't connect with it. Is that, has that been disappointing for you to see, see that some people just aren't quite seeing it the way you do you see it or even the way I see it? I respect all opinions. How do yeah. you see it? I don't know how you see it. You said I, it's an addiction. Yeah, yeah, so there's I, I, a compulsion see, see, that he has through the, yeah, the, he, like it's an addiction okay, to food. Yeah. yeah. It's not, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, presenting him as like this horrible person that just likes to eat like like addiction comes in different forms absolutely that, that, that's how i saw it and that's why i identify i you concur know, and see it i do concur yeah. and the obc action coalition feel the same way who yeah. are our advisors um on the project indeed uh charlie does not eat for pleasure um his is a diet comprised of Hundred-year-old food processing industry that leans heavily on empty calories, palm sugars, 
make it taste good so that you get many, many of them in your body as a consumer has been the business model. And in a way, it's not fair. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a personal view. Sure. I'm not taking anyone on here, but mm -hmm. I just, I, I know it would put Charlie on his back foot for being vulnerable as he is, as I grew to understand from the OIC that it's done the same with many, many, many people in our society who we don't know enough about because we don't pay closer attention to them. This is a story that's, it's told behind a closed door. And to go inside that world is, it takes the, it takes courage and to accept the invitation without furrowing your brow. And if there are those audience members who don't take the time to not judge the book by its cover, yeah. I think that they, I'm hopeful that we'll, have had reprioritized what they think is important and isn't important about how we treat those who live with obesity. Yeah. I, I think you did. You made a perfect point is seeing it. it. If it wasn't hard to watch, then the movie would not be good <laughs> because it should be hard to watch. Cause that, if that is what happens for individuals, like we should get, the real it would be a horrible mistake to put quotation yeah. marks around any sure. of this scene work design of charlie's body um I, I can't speak to how it was shot you know in terms of what's been criticized as a genre piece um but i do know that this is a story of a man who lives in a dark place and almost nautically he is a lighthouse in a dark place at the same time thank you thank you very much for that um gets a little bit of fun stuff now uh because lighten up is what you're uh, saying we're, we're, we're gonna talk light now but i don't know how much lighter it's gonna be because uh today uh time of recording uh Killers of the Flower Moon confirmed to be going to the Cannes Film Festival. It is going to go to Cannes. It is going to Cannes Film That's Festival. News. I didn't know that. And uh, one Brendan Fraser is in that movie. And I would imagine I'd see you in May in the lovely uh, backdrop of, of, of France. Uh, what can you tell us about it besides everything that it's about and um, what to expect? Well, it's the Indian Osage Nation story from 1920 when um, the FBI – we're formulating to investigate a series of grisly murders that were happening among the First Nations. Um, and I don't know about you, but I didn't hear about this atrocity yeah. in school. Um, when I read Killers of the Flower Moon, it's uh, not fiction. It, mm -hmm. it reads like a page-turner mm -hmm. murder mystery, but it's engrossing because it's the truth. There's a blight on our history and this is why Scorsese wraps his arms around the big themes that we're going to see on screen. I, I don't know. It's running time. Three hours and 20 minutes was hmm. the last uh, rumored time, but wow. I mean, it's a Scorsese movie. We're, Incredible, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like shooting. Uh, it felt like as close as I think as I would get to it ever being in, um, I want to say like an, this might sound funny, like an opera. I mean, everything was so heightened. Yeah. It's, uh, so many of the um, departments and assistants, they, they just had so much more detail. And everything just felt like it was dialed up to genius mode. <laughs> and to watch Scorsese in action would be what I would imagine watching somebody play, you know, three-dimensional chess, just yeah. solving problems, just quick, quick, quick all the time. 
it, it was inspiring. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm sorry that your follow-up to The Whale has to be Martin Scorsese's movie with Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio and Jesse Clemens <laughs> and Lily Gladstone, by the way. Like, I'm just – I'm really excited for it. So, oh, good. Uh, thank you for uh, not telling me, but telling me stuff. I, I appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about uh, Brothers, Mark, Max Barbacow. <laughs> Palm Springs, one of my favorite movies of that year. I love him. And you're working with, again, Josh Brolin, Peter Dinklage, Glenn Close, Taylor Page, just a bunch of nobodies. But <laughs> what can you tell us about that? Because plot is uh, a little unknown. It's it's a, it's a heist movie. Um, uh, there are jewels at stake, which have been mysteriously buried, possibly inside a cadaver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, – Fraternal twins, Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage, who are very funny together, let me tell you, mm -hmm. um, are harangued by yours truly, um, a renegade. I think I'm a jailer. Yes, I'm a jailer. I mean, that's right. I think it's been a couple of years. Um, I'm in a uniform. I'm very angry. I'm yeah. going to come and get them and things. And, um, well, they, they might end poorly for me, <laughs> but it's a comedy. So, um, you know, uh, Bring the clown shoes and the red noses yeah. and the squirting Can, flowers. Cannot wait for it. You're sitting here today, so I think you you listen to instructions. You have Batgirl in your pocket, right? Like you just leak it and we can just like <sighs> see. I, we want to see it, man. Like I don't. You and me both. I know, man. I, it, it just, uh, right, well, let me ask you because I know you were the villain in, in Batgirl. Are you? Are you done with the DCEU in general? Like, are you, could you still come back into it? Have you had any conversation with Peter or, or, um, James? Mm, no, 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 I've not spoken to them, but anything's possible. Yeah. It's all contingent you, on you'd what be it open to it. Of course. I'm yeah, sure. an actor. I want to work. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. That's what you do, right? You're like, I actually want to work. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, would you ever consider doing a season of White Lotus? Uh, now that, uh, Doom Patrol, heart, my heart breaks for, for that. Uh, we look for your next project and HBO next season of White Lotus, maybe, uh, I didn't cross my mind. I, Jennifer Coolidge is a, f a friend of mine. We worked together on a play a number of years ago called Elling that had, um, a glorious 27 public performances before okay. they posted notice on us, <laughs> but that's another story altogether. Okay. Man, she's funny. I'd rather watch her work right okay. now. <laughs> I think you, it, it was, it was generating through social media. I think you'd be a good fit oh, really? for Mike White. Yeah. Oh, go for right. it. I'll open my eyes. Um, in this, like, and we're going to put this in air quotes, come back of Brendan <laughs> Fraser, the Renaissance. Um, what, what kind of offers are you getting now? Because I don't want the Renaissance ever to end. I want it to. I want you to work forever. Easy. Um, you know, right now it's it's. It, I'm learning. It's awards season, so not that much business gets done until March 13th, I think. Any uh, big things coming up that you want to tell me that you haven't told anyone not else? A, nope. Nothing. I got nothing, man. I would say if I did. But I got this movie by Max Barbaco, uh -huh. Josh Brolin, oh, and Peter no. Dinklage, okay. Clank Close, it's called. Yep. And Martin Scorsese's movie. Yeah. <laughs> on Apple original. That's uh, what I'm good for. Today. Yeah. That's what you're good for? Okay. Yeah. That's fine. We'll let it slide. Uh, the last thing is, this is the most fun you're going to have today. We're playing yeah. a game with you. Okay. And it's uh, titled, Whose Babe Is It Anyway? So what we're, what I'm going to do is, <laughs> I'm going to read you a line from one of your many leading ladies that you've had throughout all your films, and you're going to try to guess which lady said it. Now you have to go through your your history, so we're going to try to keep it uh, nice and 
easy for you. Start with this. I have a confession to make. I think about you more than I ought to. Who said it? Evelyn Carnahan. Ooh, no. Um, Fresh Nugs number two in Encino <laughs> Man. <laughs> That'd be great. We're going to talk about Encino Man at the end, by the way. Uh, Sally Wheeler, Amy Locaine, David, your, your David Green school ties. Busted. Busted. That's right. We got, we got you. I have a secret. I think about you more than I ought to. Let's go to we're not lovers, we're roommates, and we respect each other's space. Ah, that was Moira Kelly's character in With Honors. Very good. Uh-oh. Is this a lover's quarrel? Maybe I should leave. We're not lovers. We're roommates, and we respect each other's space. Moira oh. Kelly, where is she? I'm I, I'm good for it. I like another more. I'm a big fan of The Cutting Edge. That's, that's like too. my whole D.B. Sweeney, man. That's like my, that's my jam. Ready for her to come back anytime she... Feels like it. Um, did you fight a crocodile for this? Did you fight a crocodile for this? That was that was to that was from a Rita Farr in Doom Patrol. No, what? No. Yes, it was Ursula Stanhope. Oh my God, you're right. Leslie Mann, George of the Jungle. Oh man, I was thinking about Cliff Steele in Doom Patrol fighting an alligator. Who swallowed his father's watch? <laughs> Did you fight a crocodile for this? Oh, no, George, not fight. Crocodile have toothache. A Sadie Singh, by the way, when she was here, told me that she finally saw George of the Jungle. Oh she, my she, God, she, she's so busted. Yeah, Can she, you? I, she hasn't seen Bedazzled yet, so her and I are gonna have words about that. But yeah, she. <laughs> but she isn't probably, that funny? Sadie had seen nothing that I had done. It's Nothing, just, which is perfect. Which but it, is perfect. But it proves the evolution of time, man. It's like really, oh, totally it's, it's starting to hurt. Like, <laughs> it's starting to really hurt. I'm like, why haven't you seen that yet? It's like a requirement. She's like, because I wasn't born yet. That's why. Oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> no more CD Sync talk here. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to meet a grown man who's still afraid of his mommy. Uh, <laughs> that's, it's nice to meet a grown man who's not. I give up. Who? Connie Doyle. Ricky Lake. Mrs. Winterborn. It's great to see a grown man still afraid of his mommy. Fan of the Ricky Lake show? I was. I love the Ricky Lake I show. I did too. This is my jam. She, so she, she always had rousing conversations and interesting guests. Oh, men, always pulling legs. Everything is comedy. Oh, how very amusing. How marvel- marvelously droll. I don't know. Uh, hint, you played my name. Ah, yes. That would have been Lynn Redgrave in Gods and Monsters. Academy Award nominee Lynn Redgrave. Oh, man. Always pulling legs. Everything is comedy. Oh, how very amusing. How marvelously droll. What do you remember... Most about her. She was, she was so lovely. She came to the first day of work with her own costume that she had put on to play the maid. Uh-huh. And she had little slips of paper with little prayers in Hungarian that she'd gotten from a housekeeper somewhere to mutter under her breath. And she um, showed up with this accent that she had worked up. And I can just remember watching um, Ian and... Bill 
I just watching them adore her. I remember sitting in that little um, studio behind that swimming pool where we rehearsed the, the film. And um, she was just a treasure. And, and boy, was she funny, too. And it's spirited. Um, she, she, uh, she brought like a theatrical energy to the project, but what it was appropriate because she was effectively being kind of like one of James Whale's characters from his films, you know? So she paid close attention to Bride of Frankenstein and to kind of get that sort of heightened, uh, uh, mid Atlantic, you know, energy going to the performance that she gave. Oh, she was lovely. Ah, best. Yeah. Um, should be missed. Yeah. Here's a uh, next one for you. She's got bitch written all over her. You do know what bitch means, don't you? <laughs> That's gotta be Clay. That's got, who's that? Is that Cliff Steele? Who is it? Eve. Blast from the past, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, right. I Ooh. thought this would have been my line. I would no, never say something about it. It's your lady. It's your lady's Oh, she line. said that. Oh, she this, said that. She's got a bitch right now. Right. Okay, yeah. I can remember seeing it. I think she's very attractive. Adam, she's got bitch written all over her. You do know what bitch means, don't you? Very uh, popular favorite among uh, the internet. Uh, when we talk a lot of, I mean, obviously, mummy comes up uh Heavily, but Blast from the Past, interestingly, number two a lot for you. Uh, what, what do you remember most fondly, especially about Alicia, who's kind of having her own second wave at the moment, which is oh, she, fun to see. She's yeah. always perennial. I mean, <laughs> it's Alicia. Uh, she's delightful. She, um, she was very, fu- she was fun. She was like a, like they would say, a great gal. <laughs> um, and the movie itself, it was a love letter to being a gentleman. Mm. Hugh Wilson was its director and co-writer, I believe, who said that he was – it was touching. He said that he was a great admirer of his father. And you think about, you know, a son saying that, about, I admire my father. I mean, he must have had a very interesting relationship with him, with him at the same time, you know, being his father's son. But he, he – he lived by the creed that a gentleman is someone who endeavors to make those around him or her as comfortable as possible at all times. And that's the movie yeah. right there. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I know I've been really naughty, haven't I? Maybe a good spanking is in order. I got nothing, man. No? I even gave you a little bit of the accent, too. Good spanking is good in order. Good spanking's in order. The devil. Oh, it's Devil Liz. herself. It's Liz Hurley. Liz Hurley. Who else could get away with saying that line and not getting slapped <laughs> in the face? But Liz. Oh, yeah, you've been a really big help so far. I know. I've been really naughty, haven't I? Maybe I've put spankings in order. I love Bedazzled Man. It, it, that, that's my quiet, like... Is it? I, like if you get me on, on a day, I'll always say Encino Man first, but... <laughs> Like I really want to say, be dad. I like love that movie. It just, it just. I think it's fun, and Francis, I think, is incredible in it. It's and it's, it's just a good. It's a good old. Everyone was great. It's great. It's so. an ensemble movie. Seven movies in one. Yep. Uh, big, maybe a little bit of a curveball, but but the heirloom, your grandmother's ring. But the heirloom. Ah, that's from twenty bucks. No. That was about an heirloom, too. Okay, what was it? Henry Selleck's 
Monkey, Monkey Bone. Bone. That would have been Bridget Fonda. Yes. The heirloom ring, your grandmother's ring. What? You want a used ring? Bridget Fonda, another one that, you know, legend in her own right, family legend, but also just was a great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember great stuff from Monkey? And Monkey Bone always gets like crap, and we, you and I have spoken about this. They have crap, and we're like, show respect, man. Monkey Bone is is great. <laughs> Nothing but love for the bone. Yeah, Monkey Bone is one of those unique movies that is an acquired taste, mm-hmm. or it's indicative of being kind of a, a cine slash nerds calling card. Yep. <laughs> only the cool kids like Monkey have you Bone. Seen Monkey Bone. <laughs> yeah, only cool kids like it. Um, I would like the locks changed again in the morning. And you know what? You might mention that next time we'd appreciate it if they didn't send a gang member. Oh, that was Sandy Bullock in Crash. Yes, Best Picture winner, Crash. That's right. I would like the locks changed again in the morning. And you know what? You might mention that we'd appreciate it if next time they didn't send a gang member. A gang member. Yes. I mean, listen, that movie is, is stuck in Oscar history for being the one that – beat Broadway Mountain, but, you know, it's also something very timely, <laughs> like, everything that kind of speaks to prejudices. Do you remember anything finally of that? I, I, it's a product of its time. Yeah. Um, the issues remain. I don't think it offered up any easy solutions yeah. in the film Crash. It wasn't a movie that was rubbing your nose on anything, but at the same time, it was showing you something and daring you to look away, kind of like what Darren does. Yeah. You know, unflinching that way. Um, it was definitely eye-opening. And it had a, Were you at the Oscars, by the way, that year? When, when I wasn't. When? I was with um, Sarah Michelle Geller in Mexico City shooting a film called The Air I Breathe. Yes. And we were sitting in a shot maker, uh, which those of you watching mm. is like you put a vehicle on the back of a flatbed and drag it around and it looks like you're driving it. Anyway, we got the word that it won. We were like, yay. But we had lost um, a tire off a wheel off the back of the shot maker earlier. So we were pulled over to the side of the road when we got the message and no joke, we hired a mariachi band all the way back to the base camp because the guys were just there on the streets of Mexico. So we had cervezas and really big guitars <laughs> and winning best picture on the side. Look at that. Hats. It was a party. All right. Let's go to look. I may not be an explorer or an adventurer or a treasure seeker or a gunfighter, Mr. <laughs> O'Connell, but I am proud of what I am. George of the Jungle. George yeah. of the Jungle. Exactly. Uh, it's Evelyn. Evelyn, Rachel the Mummy. You're a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell, but I am proud of what I am. The Mummy is... Brendan Fraser jam. It's like canon Brendan Fraser. Like at, like when you are everything that we think of Brendan Fraser, we think of that like a uh-huh. whole time uh, of our childhood and, and young adulthood. What did it feel like to work on those movies? And would you ever do another one? Oh, I'd love those movies. Mm-hmm. They're great fun to make. They're thrill rides. They work best when they're, you know, boo, scary, not like <laughs> – Horror, scary, you know, make you want to do it again. Yeah. Um, I love popcorn movies. I don't know. I'm not ruling anything out is the answer. I loved making that film. Yeah. It was a big break for me. Um, Steve Summers was a filmmaker out of USC with yeah. Bob Ducey, his editor. They met when they were in film school. 
Um, ah, editor of Glass Onion. Look at that. Look, life comes full circle how about that, this huh? year. We've got all the contenders in, in the running. Yeah. It's fun. A lot of really talented people were employed in The Mummy because at that time, um, special effects were not in their nascency, but ones that didn't make you go, I see how you did it for what the standards were then. Now it might seem kind of quaint and yeah. you know, sort of janky video gamey looking, but there's some charm to that too. Yeah. But the, it, but ILM was at the top of their game. That was John Burton was around, was working it in those days. Last one. Uh, you think I'm an idiot? You think I would believe no. that you were coming over here out of the kindness of your heart? <laughs> I know this. I don't know this. What is this? Sam Morton. Samantha Morton from The Whale. I thought I just heard that line in my mind all over again. How do you know about the money? You think I'm an idiot? You think I would believe that you were coming over here out of the kindness of your heart? Wow, so I think I got like a D plus on this whole... You know, we we will put a grade on this. Not everyone can remember everything that they've done. But my my last two bits for you, and this is what we're going to close out with. This whole award season has been about, you know, the feel good purity comeback stories, not just regarding you seeing the Daniels get their, their due Kiyu Kwan co-star of Encino man, making his big return, uh, with you the same year. Um, I want to publicly tell you that I'm mad at you because I go to the Critics Choice Awards to have fun, not to cry when Brendan Fraser is winning Best Actor, and then have you shake my hand on the way up. So that was great. But still, I get, it's very moving. What has this whole season meant uh, for you when you look back 30 years from now, man in a rocking chair? It feels like it is um, an affirmation that everything that I tried um, to achieve from 30 years ago through my career up till now was all leading up to this point, the good, the bad, the indifferent, whatever, everything was important. And that also, I have been able to sincerely make friendships with, uh, people who I've admired from afar. And certainly every, all, all, all the nominees, um, I, I've learned that there's a profound respect that, that gets born. Of, of finding yourself in the, that I was not anticipating, I was hopeful for, yeah. but, and, um, I, I'm going to look back on it for that reason. It, it feels like, you know, inclusion, which is something that we all want in a way. We've all felt like we've been on the outside and you want to be in, you know, and what are you willing to do? And, and, and what must you do to, to feel like you're included? And, and this is, uh, <sighs> An acknowledgement of that, that, well, the answer is have your work be recognized by your peers in a meaningful way. And the last question, because whose babe was it anyway, isn't just random. The reason why we did that, because I found a little bit of a similarity, a common thread between you and Key this season. I'm going to get you some some brownie points that you can ride for a while. You both have the love of an outstanding woman behind you. Key with uh, Echo. And your loving better half. So I want to give you an opportunity to give that take of, you know, being able to get through this with, with a partner. Love and support is everything. None of it's lost on me. And 
That goes my kids, too. That's the Whale star Brendan Fraser, nominated this year for Best Actor at the Oscars. The Whale is now out in limited theaters and available on demand. Tar star Kate Blanchett's central performance is a favorite after the two-time Oscar winner walked away with BAFTA, Golden Globe, and Critics' Choice Prizes. Todd Field's psychological drama about a lesbian conductor's rise and fall landed six Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Director, Original Screenplay, Cinematography, and Film Editing, in addition to Kate Blanchett's nod for Best Actress. Writer-director Todd Field's first feature in 16 years is by far his most confident. Abandoning the tropes of a conventional thriller that may or may not have the big plot twists that many lean on, which depends on your interpretation of the movie, instead, he replaces them with a suspenseful and deeply provocative tale of power, intrigue, and mystery. As Oscar season winds down, I caught up with Blanchett one more time to talk about Tar and her experiences on the campaign trail. I began by asking her what she remembered about her first Oscar nomination in 1998 for Elizabeth. Yeah, well, because it was such an unusual film, it was it was really at the head of that sort of Bollywood meets West hybrid. Um, yeah, yeah. Shekhar Kapoor directing it, and you know we had a famous soccer star Eric Cantona playing the Duke of Anjou, mm. and we had people from the north playing English lords and ladies, which within, within English culture just kind of traditionally hadn't happened at that point. Um, it, it felt like such a bizarre. Uh, potentially, um, you know, ending my career before I'd begun <laughs> moment. So the fact that people lent into it mm-hmm. and it was my first time, you know, talking to, to people who were passionate about a film that I'd, um, been in. It was very early on. So the whole thing was a, such a steep learning curve. And, um, and then to be nominated for, I thought people were joking when mm-hmm. they said I had an Academy nomination. Yeah. It was, it was a really, you know, incredible moment and I was suddenly in conversation with people that I'd been admired my whole life and um, couldn't believe I was in the same room as them I still can't you know because I think every job you do you um, it's it's quite an interesting process I think the more you do the more you realize you don't know anything Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to you let go of every film after you've made it and um, you know if you're involved in the post-production processes I was on on this one Mm -hmm. you have to try and find the film afresh and then you have to talk to people about it which of course is another process again um but yeah it's um i i, I this particular one i felt i was starting at ground zero yeah. again because i i knew nothing about <laughs> the world in which it took place yeah. and she was such an enigmatic character and the conversation you know that is alive in the film felt so kind of dangerous but vital um, you know, I was so excited but nervous to, to to think about how an audience might receive it. And once again, I thought, well, that's the end of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I like to thank you publicly for uh, getting uh, Todd Field out of this 16 year break because I've I've missed him very very much, and he's a very very important voice to cinema. He is, and uh, his crowning work, and that says something because I'm such a big fan of Little Children mm. and um, in the bedroom very much. Mm. Uh, what? How does he compare to all the great directors that you have worked with throughout your career? Well, Scorsese talks about directing as um, always knowing the you know your skill is 
that you need to know where to put the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you cast it well and you 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 know your pre-production has been great and you've got the right production design and costume design and all of those things, cinematographer, then you need to know how to look at who you're looking at, what you're looking at. Um, and Todd, every single day, would know where to put the camera. And he'd set it up and he goes, no, it needs to be two feet to the left. Mm. You know, jib up a bit. Yep. Okay, he he was so meticulous and um, diligent about and laser sharp with his focus. But yet, as a director, I don't know whether this comes as from him being a jazz musician and uh, an actor himself, is he's so fluid. Yep. It's almost like somebody else wrote the screenplay other mm. than him. You know, I'd often go up to him and I'd say, look, you, you know, say in the opening shot of the film where I'm backstage and the character's backstage um, and she's – uh, hearing all of these sounds in the script, there was a long description of all the things that she was hearing because she's got this thing called uh, misophonia, mm-hmm. um, which is a hypersensitivity to sound. So people unwrapping sweet wrappers and the tops off bottles. And there were obviously a lot of cutaways to those things. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the time. I said, don't we need to get all these cutaways? He said, no, no, I'm not going to do any of that. So he'd responded to what was going on in the performance and decided he didn't need to shoot that. And so that's the wonderful thing about working with him is the screenplay is one one resource to make the film. He's always in search of the film, which yeah. is a really, really exciting environment to be in. Wow. Everything's up for grabs. Yeah. So uh, you got to keep him working. Tell him to get get back to work now because yeah. I can't wait sixteen more years. You know, but the amazing thing about him is, you know, we all focus on the fact that he hasn't been hasn't made a feature film. But in that time, he has been experimenting yeah. with lenses, with lighting, with 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 cameras, with perspective. He's always li- looking and always listening. He's so he's so alive mm-hmm. as a, as a human being, you know. And meanwhile. You know, what all good artists, artists do is they actually live their life and they don't live their life to put it on screen. Mm. They, he's had such a rich life. And I think all of these things have been brought to bear on, on, on the film. I think that's why even though the film is dealing with a lot of thorny, big questions, watching people do unpalatable things that we often do when we're in private, mm. it's, it's very human and really funny. Yeah. He's a really, really funny guy. He's, he's the best. Um, I'd like to thank you for also coming to my Nina Haas uh, fan club meeting today. We have the t-shirts. Yes, we have the t-shirts. And I'm not going to stop talking about her until people, the entire world knows how special she is to this medium of cinema because she is so, so talented. And, and such a great collaborator. Yeah. She's a, I mean, her perspective on the the character of Sharon Goodenow, who is um, life partners with with Lydia Tarr mm. just was a complete revelation for 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 Todd and I. It opened up a whole subterranean um, layer in the film mm. about who enables the powerful, mm. you know, um, and what is the sort of the the, the benefit, to, the extraneous benefit from keeping the system of power as it is. And it's not always the person at the top who is the most powerful. It's not the most public-facing person in a relationship who is often the most powerful. Mm. There is such a thing as a kingmaker. And so she brought that aspect to Sharon and said, I don't think she's entirely innocent, um, And which was it, the conversation with her was so uh, enlivening. Um yeah, I mean, she's a, a wonderful um, team team player and such an exquisite and surprising actress. I was so lucky to finally get to work with her. 
my favorite uh, romantic lead of yours of your entire career is definitely <laughs> Nina Me Haas. too. I will always cherish that. Um, I have to ask about the tar short that was in Berlin <gasps> that will only screen once and – I wasn't told about it. You w- so, uh, uh, look, I'm sorry. It was a long way, Clayton. <laughs> no, we. It was because I would have the- blown in, <laughs> blown in. I, I did say to Todd, you know, eventually, whatever the equivalent of the DVD sale mm-hmm. is in the future, would would he consider putting it on? It was what it was. It was part of the process. That's what was so because it's it's a film about process. It's not yeah. a film about performance. It's not about the result. It's about the way we get to an endpoint. You know, because works of art like human beings are unfinished businesses. So we decided to try and have quite an um, an open ended process, and it was. Fantastic because a lot of the, the audiences have picked up on a lot of the, the subtextual stuff that we filmed thinking this probably won't make it to the final cut, but we're going to film it anyway. Um, and we had enough material that, that, um, I said to Todd, why don't you make this into a, a short? So he and Monica Willey, one of the world's great editors, um, made a short out of it. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to convince. And seem to sort of That's release what it in some way. For. Like we could just get that going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing that I've loved so much about you, and uh, you you are considered, and by many of us, to be one of the greatest living actresses. And by I, my what, mom, by my uh, husband. By, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been talking to them. Yeah. But but what I love about about you is that you take that responsibility seriously. And what I say by that is you use your platform, your status to also champion other actors. Uh, you talked a lot about the season, Michelle Yeoh, Andrea Riseborough, Tang Wei, who wasn't nominated. You bring Tang up, Wei's performance oh. and decision to leave was one of the great performances this year. Guslawi Malanda. I mean, I, one of my favorite films of this, of, of, of this year was Saint-Omer, yeah. um, Alice Diop. And I mean, both actresses were extraordinary. Mm. I had a, I had a, uh, joke with one of my colleagues here earlier in the season, like way before I even saw, I was like, we're going to have Nina Hassa and Tangway with, for me this year. I was like, <laughs> this is too much of a perfect world. But yeah, um, you, you take that responsibility to, to champion them. I want to ask you, do, does it ever get, it's got to be frustrating sometimes that I think people, and I mean, people, I mean the public, forget that this is an art form. That's something that you really deeply care about. So there's like the celebrity aspect that the public facing thing, but you guys, you all are giving yourselves to something that you love. Does mm. that ever frustrate you sometimes that that gets lost in messaging when you take on a role such as Lydia Tarr? They think it's like, they see the, facing part of it is like, okay, you got an Oscar nom for it, but you believed in the project. You believed in the movie. You believed in the vision that was Todd Field, like what he had to say. Does that ever get lost? Look, I, I think it's wonderful when, um, the risks, the creative risks one takes are, um, recognized or rewarded or that, that, um, that, and, you know, both Todd and I really, really respect and value that relationship with an audience. Um, and, you know, that the people pick up on, the audience picks up on things that you were only, could have only dreamt that they would pick up mm-hmm. on. That's really rewarding. And when different critics groups or industry groups recognize that work, that is wonderful. But in the process of making it, and I hazard a guess that this is the same for all films that mm-hmm. are being celebrated, um, or maybe 
celebrated in the future because not all films find their audience straight away. You know, as you say, that's what these libraries are for online and, you know, in actuality, you know, to discover films later that didn't necessarily rise to the surface that particular year. That's Justice for Bandits, by the way. But oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Always. I love making that movie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, you can't, in the process of it, uh, I, I think, a film that's going to cut through is one that feels like you are just in the process of making it on the, you know, you are on the edge of a precipice in some way, yeah. you know, that you're risking something that may not, you may not be able to pull this off, you know, like standing on the podium yeah. in front of the Dresden Philharmonic. It's like, this may not work, <laughs> you know, and so it's, it's a dance that you do, not only with the cast members and of course the director and the cinematographer, but, but with the crew, you know, and I, and I felt, Maybe it's coming out of the pandemic, but it felt like we were all tightly knit and on that same adventure. Mm. And um, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a, such a surprising, wonderful pleasure to be able to, to speak and be in dialogue with an, with an audience about something that you've been so passionate about. Mm. But does that answer your question? It, do, it does. That, you know, cause does it I, get, do you ask him, does it, I mean, does it, does it frustrate you when, when people talk about, what you do and what the other actors do so superficially, not seeing that, seeing it as, I think you see acting as art. Like this is an art form for you. Whereas I think it's an empathetic art yeah, form. Yeah. And I think you, look, I think there's as many different types of actors and processes as mm-hmm. there are genres and movies. And mm-hmm. if you look at this year, it is such an eclectic array of visions, yeah. you know, and I think that when they're all smashed together and they're meant to make one homogenous whole, that's a little bit depressing because their ambitions are so wildly yeah. different, you know, and that, that there's no one actor, there's no one director, mm-hmm. there's no one movie is that my personal taste is so wildly eclectic. You know, um, and so I, um, no, I mean, I, I think it's probably to be expected because, you know, sometimes the way we do interface because there's so much on, there's so much to do, there's so much preoccupying all of us. Some, we can't be deep about everything. Sometimes mm. we have to have a glancing conversation. And, but I mean, the thing with this particular film, you know, in the hands of Todd Field, I do think it will stand the test of time. So people who haven't had the chance to, to see it, see it and experience the sound, like the sound in yeah. this film is so extraordinary. We'll hopefully have the chance to do so in the future, yeah. you know. Oh, sure. Thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to touch one more thing about uh, if you won an Oscar this year, aside from it being your third, you will bring to life the, non, the nine-year prophecy that we believe that Kate Blanchett only wins Oscars every nine years. Yes. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. Right. Oh, God, you're Aviator, really dating Aviator me. and Blue Jasmine. Uh, uh, so if, that, God, was that it, that so long you, ago? So if you win this year, just know that you are free like, <laughs> to, to do lady. the circuit for the next uh, – <laughs> Uh, nine years, but uh, with the, looking at all your Oscar nominations, uh, Elizabeth, The Aviator, which you won, Sporting Actress, Notes on a Scandal, which is quietly kind of one of my top three. That was days. a fun I one. I like that's my that jam. Was a fun one. I'm not there, and Elizabeth, The Golden Age, Blue Jasmine, Carol, and now Tar. Uh, very few people will ever know what it feels like to get an Oscar nomination, let alone have an Oscar. Um, I know you've expressed gratitude about receiving this from your peers and mm. and feeling this honor. What does it feel like as you continue down that path? Because Hollywood, 
used to have this idea that women stop being interesting after a certain age. They wouldn't make movies or give great roles for uh, women over a certain age. And you're killing it now, still continuously. And I've seen a shift in that industry. Are you feeling that as well? Well, we're still talking about it, yeah. aren't we? But if, you know, you look at the SAG Awards this year, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Yeoh, you know, all, all of, so many of the women yeah. uh, up there were, um, have, I have had long, illustrious careers, yeah. and I am so grateful to the women before me mm-hmm. who have who have been trailblazers. The the you know the Jane Fonda's, the Meryl Streep's, the you know um, the Liv Ullmans, the you know from all different cultures. You know the Helen Mirren's and Judy Dench. You know we're talking about Judy and who have have really continually pushed the boundaries and supported women coming up um, underneath them and but also the fact that you've got you've got show female showrunners female producers mm-hmm. female directors it's just it's um i mean hopefully in 5 years time it's it's an unremarkable thing but unfortunately i think you know and particularly speaking of tar in in the classical music world being female is still seen as being a political mm-hmm. act we're still remarking on it you know yeah. and um Hopefully, we will get to the the point where it is unremarkable, you know. But my concern too is is not just the pointy end, the acting end of it. I think it's also making sure that the crews are diverse, mm. not only culturally, yeah. um, and from from a, um, a a gender point of view, but also um, generationally. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important that that generationally. I mean, there's a lot of that sort of generational divide that is, and um, the power of people in their advanced position of their career versus the powerlessness that that people at the beginning of their career seem to um, be expected to have or may have in relation to that. That's very much alive in the film. So I think, yeah, that generational um, sharing of the goods, I think, is really important. That's Kate Blanchett, Oscar-nominated star of Tar. The film is now playing on Peacock. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.